0: So I am joined today by Naomi Stone, who is a psychologist, HR manager, public speaker on organizational culture, and very much as we're going to hear into well-being, leadership and engagement at all levels of kind of human connection, I guess, within businesses and organizations. Um, I'm not going to steal Naomi's thunder because I want to hear a little bit more from Naomi in terms of uh, kind of Well, how she sees very much her role in in life, I guess, in sort of organizational life. Um, But as a qualified psychologist, uh, she's very, very uh, well qualified to talk to us today about the impact of nature on well-being. So we're going to explore that in a little bit of uh, depth, we hope. And um, over to you, Naomi, just to give a little bit of background to everybody listening uh, in terms of really kind of obviously where you've come from, but also some of the kind of little things that um, certainly have resonated with me when I've listened to you talk, because you talk about some really, really interesting um, concepts, including biophilia, which was a new one on me, which um, I want to kind of delve quite deeply into uh, in, in this little conversation. So. Give, give, give the listeners a little bit of a, a background as to kind of who you are kind of almost really what sort of got you to where you are today
1: hey okay. oh thank you neil so lovely to be here um yeah so i'm um i look after well-being and engagement for the, for an organization that i work for at the moment um they're a care charity sort of retirement village care charity in bristol so my role there is so that the the kind of the title is colleague engagement manager Um, but I feel like that doesn't really say enough I I do more than that I'm more about sort of um, the kind of intrinsic nature of engagement so not about what you get from work what you get paid which obviously is completely important um, and what you receive It's about how you feel and how what you go home and tell your partner or whoever's at home when you finish your day's work. You know how how, what does life? How does it make you feel? So in terms of biophilia, um, I ought to say I'm not a chartered psychologist, but I'm a psychologist in research. Um, So I got my masters in occupational psychology um, only about mm, gosh six or six or so years ago now, and I think that really gave me the opportunity to study. Firstly, obviously, behavior in the workplace, which is fascinating, isn't it? Because we're all quite different. We're Often people are quite different in workplaces and behave in different ways. And um, But also it gave me the chance to um, extend my thinking around biophilia and well-being. So I, I'm interested to hear that biophilia was new to you. Was it last week? Yeah it, yeah, it
0: it was. It was it was a term. And I mean I can I guess I can I can sort of work it out from the uh, you know the nature of the word, but it, it wasn't something having spent obviously quite a bit of time um researching and being part of you know organizations, you know, passionate about well-being, but it wasn't really something that had ever, I would say ever really sort of come onto my radar. So when I heard this, it was like, oh, hold on, this is new. And yeah. then of course, then you'd hooked me in and I was listening quite intently.
1: Yeah, so biophilia means, so it, translated is love of life and living things. And when you hear Ophilia normally they're not very nice things, are they? But biophilia is a nice thing. So it's about the love of living and life. And um, it was a term that was um, kind of brought to prominence. It wasn't coined by him, but E.O. Wilson, who's fascinating, and I really encourage you to read some of his work. Pa- Sadly, he passed away last month. Um, in December, and um, so it's actually quite easy to find sort of obit- obituaries and information about him. But he came up with this idea with um, Stephen Keller of the biophilia hypothesis, which suggests, and it, it sounds absolutely sensible, suggests that human nature depends on our connection to nature because we're from nature, and our kind of Stone Age brains live in the, you know, live and work in the land. And in a way, if you think about it, it's only been the last two hundred years in industrial revolution that we've started to live like we do, which is more and more separated from the earth and your hands in the soil and be, you know being part of nature and seasons and that sort of thing. So I was really fascinated by that. and it's you know once you start scratching the surface of what what you know, does nature do for us my goodness there's a whole world of research and knowledge out there about how you know how psychologically spending time in nature is simply good for us and on so many different levels we Mm. you know i think a lot of
0: people would kind of recognize with that probably if if they choose to spend just a moment thinking how would that feel for me Well, yes, it's obvious, isn't it? And yet so few of us actually do it on a regular and consistent basis. It's kind of not part of what might be described as, and I've been exploring and playing with this word, busy lifestyle. So the busy lifestyle of today doesn't necessarily equate with allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to take that time out. But from what you're saying, it's absolutely essential for well-being
1: yeah that's it and it's not just about having time out it's not we know that having a break is good for us again there's evidence to suggest that of course you know it's not sustainable to just plow on through but having a break in um, a natural environment or at least having a view of a natural environment is quite interesting even a view of a garden or some authentic greenery um is better for you than simply having a break do do you see what i mean so it's, Mm. it's It is. And I think it's true. You know, we are living really busy. It's just the catchphrase, isn't it? It's the the everything. Everybody's so busy. And I think that's part of our problem, really, is that we forget what we need.
0: Mm. So do you think it's with with something like that then? Do you think it's because... I guess, maybe since the 90s, you know, and it's been probably three decades now of almost celebrating being the busiest, being the last to leave work, being, you know, the one with the most hectic diary that nobody can book in with, being that person who's kind of racing around the office or, you know, always fully booked. Um, It's almost celebrating that rather than actually celebrating the person who is you know at one with their environment is actually able to make time is actually able to take a lunch break and go and meditate in a field or a park or or literally just sort of get out and, and actually celebrating that that is a good thing rather than oh look at that person you know they're just they're just constantly running isn't that amazing do you, do you think we've got it fundamentally wrong?
1: I do and I think that's it we do um maybe things are changing I think there is a little bit of a, a whiff of change in the air which is great and fascinating <clears throat> and it'll be interesting to see what we do with that going forward but you're right there is a sense of oh there you know she's superwoman she gets everything done or he's just you know he's non-stop and we do we celebrate it and actually we sh- in some ways a bit like I love Alan de Botton who says you know you should pity the rich people and it's a bit like p- maybe we should pity the people who are just w- working non-stop and have a million things in their lives actually because they because they need a break they need they need time out. They need, are they being, how authentic are they being to their true selves? You mm. know, I think. I so like- is, it,
0: is, it, is it a thing about time then? Is Is it that you know, for that authenticity and being true to yourself. I mean, you have to kind of give yourself permission to take that break or to take Mm -hmm. that moment because I, I certainly am, this is one of the big things for my journey this year, which I'm talking a lot about kind of awareness and abundance. So being just aware of the things that could, should, you know, would be beneficial to be part of your world this year and then creating abundance from those things. So if you identify there's something that's working really well, that's really, really good for you, not to sort of say well oh, i'll just do it as a treat but actually say no that's a priority i need more of that so is is this kind of falling in line with that where it would be that okay the first thing you might do at the beginning of the week rather than just jumping straight into your um, email inbox would actually spend a little bit of time just looking out as you say out of the window at the tree outside and thinking okay it's midwinter but look there's buds and actually kind of you know, just literally becoming one with the environment rather Mm -hmm. than just jumping into the the sort of the hamster wheel, which I'm kind of seeing a lot of people doing this year at the start of this year is almost like they're jumping onto that kind of, Oh, it's the new year. It's the next opportunity. I've got my new year's resolutions. Let's race as opposed to, I think maybe what you're starting to talk about here is no, 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 this is not a race. This is about celebrating the moment and actually you know, embracing, and as you say, coming back to being the one with nature that we all probably, you know, were meant to be.
1: Mm. I think that's it. And I think if you, I think perhaps you're in a privileged position if you can't, you do have that choice to say, you know, instead of getting my laptop up or jumping in the car, I'm going to go for a walk because pe- so many people don't have that luxury. And I think that's the bit that, I'm trying to challenge is I don't know people's lives are set up in a way that even if they may not even want to be living in this way where they get up immediately sorting the kids out the dog for a walk the you know it's like one thing after another then racing to work doing your day's work then picking the kids up then making tea then you know taking them off to after school club I don't have children by the way so so I see this through a different (laughs) lens but it is how it works and I sometimes do feel like oh it's all right for me to say that I don't have children and I can you know I can go for a walk in the morning or I can but I think this is why I feel strongly that institutions and workplaces need and society as a whole need to break this this idea about busyness exactly what you're saying this status thing about being busy and getting so much done so because some people just don't have a choice so let's in let's encourage the elements of biophilia Whatever that means to different, you know, biophilia, by the way, when I talk about it, means all, being out in nature, looking at nature. And um, of course, we've got completely authentic nature like seasides and gorges and ravines. And then we've got artificial nature or man-made nature like gardens and parks. They're all fine. But the more authentic, the better, which fits with the biophilia una- um, hypothesis, which suggests that we, you know, as humans, we prefer a kind of savanna view or the view that we would have our ancestors would have had. Um, But biophilia also means bringing elements of nature indoors, so things like natural airflow, greenery, having plants, real plants if you can. I know some workplaces are funny about that, but real, you know, real um, plants, mimicry of nature in shapes and, you know, which is quite apt at the moment. You walk around IKEA and it's like being out in a some sort of garden because everything's like, it's a bit trendy and that, that's another danger is that we go down the kind of, it's a trend thing and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. Um, but yeah, I think we need to just start as a society and workplaces, embedding what it means to be human in our work, you know, in into our lives so that people have the opportunities. So mm-hmm. if you have a break, you don't just sit downstairs in the staff room looking at your phone, you have the option of being outside or maybe undercover but creating spaces where people can be still quite warm but be outside and be you know connecting with nature or you know well so many different ways aren't they like meetings and you know walking meetings and allotment clubs and things like that mm. but it's got to be part of our culture hasn't it?
0: It has. And I think it is that whole thing when you say about trends, I think it is quite interesting. It's almost, I mean, where does the trend begin? Does the trend begin because somebody, you could call them an influencer of sorts, says, right, this is a good thing to do. And then everybody just chases and runs after that. Or is it that there's just this society or community need because you've gone beyond the tipping point? To me, it feels a little bit more like, yeah, I think for lots of us, particularly after the last two years, we've kind of hit that tipping point where it's like, you know, we don't want to actually go back to the way that it was. This is now a little pivotal moment where if I'm never going to do it, you know, if, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So why not? Let's just do it. I mean, we moved house Um from the center of town out into the countryside right in the middle of the lockdown you know because it was one of those things you could still do you could still move house whilst we were locked down here in the uk and so so we did that and we honestly have never looked back i mean this wow. were both my wife and i were brought up in the countryside so you know it's very much home to us time um, in an urban environment we kind of almost felt that longing to go back it happened a little bit faster than we were expecting but now here we are back in the countryside so we are so so grateful for being here and every day being able to look at that savannah view that you describe it you know wall to wall sort of view we're up on a hill we can see virtually the whole of Somerset from where we are you know it's just it's just incredible and we're so incredibly grateful every single morning when we look out. It, it's like wow look there it is again But I think what you're saying is it doesn't have to be like that. There is this little kind of almost microcosm you can create around you Mm. that allows you to almost, as you say, I mean, and I want to sort of delve into this a little bit, It almost kind of sort of mimic real nature and it's kind of okay so if you're in city center if you're in a very urban office if you're Mm. kind of not surrounded by lots of greenery that you know i'm very fortunate enough to be you can still do this stuff you can still kind of create a um, a desk environment or you can create something within the space that you're in that kind of almost sort of mimics the best bits of that How, how does somebody begin with that? Is it it like having a desktop background of a a forest? I mean, is is that kind of like a a basic sort of starting point? Does that work?
1: Yeah, it does. You know, even looking, and there's a very recent study using virtual reality, literally, you know, sitting still in the same spots and, you know, looking at nature and exploring through the lens of virtual reality, which sounds brilliant. But yeah, there was evidence to suggest that that, is also, you know, has a powerful well-being effect on people, and I think that's great for people who are stuck in hospital or housebound, or you know, there's lots of different reasons why that could be fantastic. Um, but also, you know, again, it goes back to, as I said, the more authentic, the better, and I think schools are doing this pretty well. City schools um, are encouraging kids to go out and have a maths lesson outside very basic example counting trees or you know like you know using the lesson bit as part of what's around you and I love that idea and I think in the workplace we could do that so I work for a caring organization but unless you're delivering personal care why, why can't some of that care be outside or in I mean in one of our homes we've created an indoor garden which is fantastic or sent you know sensory gardens things like that so it's bringing those sorts of things into workplaces as the norm, and also not frowning on people taking a break within that environment. So I did a study with indoor workers where I found that, um, as you would expect, to match the biophilia hypothesis, people felt better when they spent 10 minutes outside during the working day than than 10 minutes inside still having a rest but inside, in fact, doing a nature themed activity, but indoors so that they had higher uh, people who went outdoors had better positive effects or positive mood, lower negative mood. But also though the positive mood linked to job satisfaction. So there was a there was a correlation there between having positive effects during the day in nature actually enhance your, your experience of work overall. So really good reasons. But the, one of the downsides to the study, which was fascinating, was in a qualitative couple of questions, people told me that they felt guilty about going outside, even just for 10 minutes, putting their coat on and going out for a walk. That's And that made me feel really sad, but also highlighted a point that, this is the, the cultural norm that we should be doing. So yes, bring nature in, bring plants in, have pictures up of nature that will all help. But actually, we know that breaks are good for you as well, but you know, just encouraging, having meetings outdoors, delivering care outdoors, going back to that thing, unless you're delivering, I don't know, you, you can just do things a bit differently and have a bit more freedom in your, in your working life, whatever job you do you know that
0: is, that's a fascinating thing when you say about the feeling guilty now i'm i'm in yeah. a very again very very and i understand it and i reflect on this very privileged position that i can kind of control my time so i have clients i have you know people i mentor so there is a diary involved and it's a very full diary and yet i can control where i do most of that so i'm very very fortunate in that regard but and here's the big but and it is a big but If I choose to have a a planning session or maybe write a report or something like that, and I decide I'm going to go and and I've done this because I've experimented, I'm going to go and do this on a hillside. I'm going to go and take all my stuff because I am remote worker. So I can take literally everything I need in a backpack and literally sit on a hillside Sun and I can set up my office literally on, on the grass on a hillside. And I've done this.
1: Have you? And yet, I love when that, doing that.
0: Even though I'm being completely productive yeah. and I'm connected because I'm in mobile coverage and everything, I still feel, even though it's my responsibility that I'm making that call, I still feel a little sort of pang of guilt that well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Why is that? I it's, know. It's is it just real fundamentally work? Fundamentally not is. right, is it? I know. But we do
1: yeah you're absolutely right people feel bad about it like yeah but actually evidence tells us that you will be more um, productive you'll have better cognition better memory from being in that environment so actually it's you're delivering much probably much better quality work would be interesting wouldn't it to see if you could compare that and yet you still feel guilty. I yeah, I find that fascinating because it's not the norm, I suppose, isn't it?
0: No, no. Yeah. And another thing I tried as well. and um this was one actually I, I took a a photo um, on the iPhone, <laughs> popped it onto social media. and it was actually this was two years ago, um sitting up on the Downs in Bristol, which for yeah. those of you know a lot of people won't know the Downs, but it's a very, very large open um, public space um, right in the center of Bristol in the uk and are very popular for kind of doing outside sports and walking and yeah. flying kites and everything is big music events up there but it it's a very very big open space and i would take a, a garden chair and i would sit right in the center of the downs so literally no trees around me nothing so i'm right out in an open space And I would set up my little work centre so I'd have my laptop on my my lap and I'd have my phone by my side and I'd be working right in the centre of a huge great open space. The curious looks and people raising their eyebrows like, what is he doing? As people would walk past, it's so alien. I think it's like, we should look, you're doing office stuff, shouldn't you be in the office? How are we going to get away from this mindset? I mean, I put this onto social media and I had so many likes. People said, oh, I'd love to be doing that. And I was thinking, so why aren't you doing that?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: How are we going to kind of break this? I'm not expecting us to kind of crack it in this conversation necessarily, but how are we going to break this mold? Because it felt so good to be doing that. And Mm -hmm. it was fun and I was still productive. I was getting a nice tan. It was a beautiful day why wouldn't people want to be doing this collectively because mm. because they don't do they
1: I think ro- role modeling is so it sounds a bit obvious doesn't it but you do it keep doing that keep doing it and sharing it and I'll do the same and hopefully people listening will keep will do that as well not feel alone because we start to create a bit of a norm I I quite strongly believe in the kind of groundswell of change so you start kind of you know, you don't have to be, people often say, well, oh, it's got to start at the top, got to start at the top. Yeah, I, I agree in a lot, a lot of cases, culture change and has to be role model from people at the top. But actually, if you people at any level of an organisation can just create a bit of change and create a norm and say, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. If I've done it in my office when we used to work in the office. So we go for a walk and you get a little group of people around, you know, you just start to create a culture. So I'm hoping that there are leaders and managers who are listening and can feel inspired to do that because it's not and not feel bad about it, because actually it's counterproductive not doing that. So see it as the other way around. Switch it up a bit. Mm. Even if you work in, you know, we have people working in a laundry, which is quite hard to leave, you know, when you're busy, but you still get a break. To the manager, could say, "Why don't you take your cup of tea outside? Take this chair, fold-up chair, with you, or I don't know. You just, just generate it, make it, and make it a norm, and it will be a s- slow little uptake. But then it will become something that's a bit more normal to do."
0: Mm. And uh, I guess it's, it's probably and we talked talked a little bit earlier about this whole thing about is this the moment is this the time where it becomes more um, acceptable to be able to do it at all kind of stratas of, of an organization. Um, is, is it, I wonder, and i this just a reflective question, really, is it, I wonder, now is a, is a more acceptable time to do it because the working from home thing, particularly in the UK, and I'm sure this applies, you know, all over the world, the, the working from home thing is now a little more accessible. It's not completely, you know, we've had um, some political announcements uh, in the last sort of couple of weeks about return to the office, return back into work. And I think from certainly from my very, very low level of, uh, of research on this, I, I do tend to ask
1: well, if you're just, still
0: blended working, are you, are you still working from home? Feels like now is a time where, look, if we're going to do this thing, now is the time to almost stand your ground and say, look, I've been super productive over the last year or so, yeah. you know, doing this working from home and being more flexible as to where I produce what I produce. Yeah. Surely now... This is the time to say, look, here's the evidence. I mean, is there specific evidence that you're aware of that kind of really backs this up? Because, you know, we're feeling this, aren't we? We're feeling that this is a good thing to do. I mean, are other organisations really kind of doing this properly now?
1: Yeah, I mean, there there was early talk, wasn't there, about organisations getting rid of their um, office space. So this would become a norm. I don't know how much of that has come true, but that certainly was something that McKinsey was reporting that I think was like 30% of organisations were going to lose quite a lot of office space. However, this is, yeah, I think you're right in terms of timing, great timing to, for that change. Also, we must keep in mind climate change, which people are thankfully becoming more and more aware of and, and taking more notice of. And I think I mean, we, there's evidence to suggest that the more time you spend in nature, which is what we've all done in lockdown and during the last two years, we've been we've, had, we've sort of been exploring our natural and you know uh, local spaces a bit more. And the evidence tells us that the more you experience nature, the more inclined you are to have pro-environmental behaviours, particularly in children. So I think there might be something there about a change. People are starting to think a bit differently. Why do I need to get in my car and drive? to an office and or whatever, however you get there and do the same work, it doesn't make sense. But interestingly, see, this is again, a cultural thing. A friend of mine who works in central Bristol has just had to put in a flexible working request to continue working from home for one or two days a week, despite the fact that she's been doing it during this whole couple of years. And she's having a real challenge. I mean, she thinks she will get it in the end, but the fact she's had to formalize that um, she has to travel into Bristol every day. There's so many reasons why that's not really always working for her i yeah, so there's still a long way to go so whilst yes, this is the time that it's in the air, people are feeling it, they want to change, but equally we've still got these high old old fashioned cultures, I suppose where that's not as easy for some people,
0: mm. and I suppose you know. It's, yeah. yeah, I was going to say one of the things that um, I guess is quite empowering is knowing that even if it isn't a sort of a fundamental shift to your way of working as an organisation, as an individual, there are little things. I mean, from what I'm sort of picking up uh, from, from what you're saying, Naomi, is that there's a few, a few little things that you can do at a very kind of personal level to just make this happen. And probably one of the things is to kind of literally, wherever you happen to be listening to this, watching this is if you look around you what do you see how much nature do you have in your very local situation so if you're in an office what have you got around you what nature is here is it the pot plant is it the view from the window yes or no kind of would people generally sort of do best to start at things that they can control because that would feel like a natural and obvious starting point wouldn't it yeah
1: definitely so bring bring plant in from home or even if you've got very a very small um, sort of inner city office space you can have greenery in very small spaces I love the ideas you see them around the upright um what do you call them pallets with plants growing out so it's almost like a living wall but in a pallet I mean how it looks fantastic and um you know fairly straightforward to do so you can do something quite creative with small spaces and inner city spaces um normalize it role model it you know, remember that people, I mean it's interesting what you said about moving back to the countryside, that it was almost like calling you back, wasn't it? But so many of us, and I'm I'm one of these people, I'm I'm a real city girl. I grew up in Cardiff, in inner city Cardiff, and um it was only really when I met my husband um at, at university, he grew up in Greater Manchester and he his life was very much outdoors. He knew the names of birds and trees and fish and stuff. I didn't really have a clue it was a bit you know and it was only through his eyes that I started to notice things in nature and I think that's important that so many people we don't you don't necessarily feel that nature's for you it doesn't or it or it doesn't factor as part of your life if you know what I mean I didn't grow up but you know I've only sat on a horse twice in my life <laughs> do you, I'm not do you know what I mean it's sort of it, you know so it's it's something that I've grown into and learned and and now I'm studying the psychological effects of that having experienced it myself and um yeah so who I think this you know workplaces schools colleges even hospitals could be people's entry into understanding nature or or witnessing things grow or nurturing a plant or do you know what I mean I don't mean that to sound patronizing because I'm genuinely talking about my my life as well you know
0: so. yeah i think there's a really key word you said there we, we, was witnessing it because i think it's all very well for Naomi and neil to be sort of you know sat here talking about this and it's like oh yes we'll listen to you you know you've got all the time in the world to be thinking about. we don't we, we are also you know fully kind of booked and we've got loads of stuff going on and things like that but it I think to lots of people, it is about just witnessing it, not necessarily overthinking bringing this into their world, but actually just feeling what it's like. So your um, recommendation there to just bring a pot plant in and just put it on your desk and not just thinking, well, that looks nice, but actually feeling the difference that that makes. It's like a little bit of greenness right next to me. And it's always there. It becomes like a little... Green pot plant friend kind of thing. That's it. and it's, so it's kind of being really, really aware of the difference that that's making. So maybe even if it is just turning your desk around, so you're kind of facing in a slightly different, so you get a little bit more of that view of that tree in the the distance over there. And kind of how does that feel? So maybe not just overthinking the effects it's having, but just being in the moment to just think, hmm, actually, that feels quite nice. So maybe yeah. it's, this is more about the heart than it is about the head possibly for people would you think
1: yeah absolutely um one time we worked in an office when we were all in the office in my workplace we didn't we had skylights we couldn't see outside so we brought in not only plants we all brought in some plants but we also started bringing in pictures um a colleague of mine blessing we made a little collage of our of people's holiday pictures of greenery and nature so we had it on these metal you can imagine can't you metal filing cabinets but covered in these lovely pictures of outdoors or people's dogs or you know um so yeah it's just and it, and it does it feels whenever I ask people where's your favorite place they do always say there's only one person's ever said the pub <laughs> that's funny judgment there but most people will say a natural space it makes you feel good and again tons of evidence to suggest that that people feel significantly happier and you know more fulfilled in a natural or green space or looking at a green space than they do in an all urban space but cities can do this well you know um London's actually quite. In fact, Bristol, Bristol, London, Singapore—fantastic. They're pretty good biophilic cities. Actually, they've done a good job of bringing, mixing the urban with the greenery. Bristol's full of little city parks, isn't it? It's
0: mm, very interesting what you say there um, about the. Um, well, the, the key, I, I guess, the really the, the sort of the key point is is like, where's your favourite place? And just that snapshot answer. So everybody listening to this now, I want you to answer Naomi's question. Where's your favourite place? And and don't overthink it. Don't think, well, it could be there, or this year it was here, and this year. You're overthinking it. Just go with the heart. Where's your favourite place? And let's see if collectively, and if, if you do have the opportunity, depending on where, where you're listening or watching this, to put your answer actually in the message thread below. That would be very interesting so that we can actually see whether or not Naomi's theory is correct. And I have a sneaky feeling it's going to be correct. The fact is that it is probably an outside Kind of place that you're talking about or it probably is outside in a place that you're talking about so if it's a city it's probably somewhere outside in that city rather than in the pub like you say that one example which is you know, hilarious um so that in itself probably is a great steer that innately we're all kind of feeling this thing as long as we're just waking up and just being a little bit more aware and a little bit more grateful for just those little snapshots in time that's really, really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I, I like that question. I think because that, to me, that's part of this whole evidence that it's got to be a good thing to do. One thing I did want to ask you is, you know, we talk a lot about green space because that is, I think, something that a lot of us have started to use as a, as almost a phrase. When we're thinking of this kind of this nature thing, does it have to be green? I mean, a lot of people obviously listening to this are not going to be based, say, in the UK, which is traditionally very green because of the amount of rain that we get. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to this in somewhere like, say, Arizona or if you're in Cairo or somewhere like that, where green is not the colour that you see, are, is, it, is it green Is it, is, a, is a magic colour or is it any kind of other colour that can actually work in this regard?
1: Mm, that's really interesting isn't it and I haven't looked at the research on that so all the research is about greenery and forests or nature you know and you're right that that comes with a certain climate doesn't it I would um suggest though in line with the biophilia hypothesis that it's what is innate you know to your ancestors or to you know to previous generations so if you know if you've grown up somewhere in the desert maybe that is the place that is where your heart is and where you're and it's still natural isn't it so I think that maybe the answer is it's it's a natural space as opposed to necessarily a green space
0: Mm, with elements
1: of nature in it
0: Mm. So, so if you've grown up in some sort of coastal community, it could be the blue of the sea, it could be yellow so, of the desert, it could be green of the, the forest, like you say, absolutely. Or maybe even the white and the grey of the mountains if you've grown up in a mountainous area. Yeah. So, but yeah as you say, this, this is really interesting because I'm trying to kind of figure out ways that, well, I can do this, but obviously other people can start on this journey of kind of exploring what is the most relevant thing. Because, yes, it could be the simple pot plant on the desk, but it could also be, as you say, this great big visual sort of thing of where your heart is. And if your heart is in the desert, get a great big canvas for the wall, you know, in front of you. So you've always got it there. If it yeah. is at the sea, maybe get in a little aquarium, get some little fish in an aquarium. You know, yes. it could be all of these things. Could
1: Absolutely. It? I've really thought about that, having an office aquarium or, some, or fish tank, as long as they're, you know, somebody takes good care of them. But yeah, so I love that idea. But I think the, the key word is restoration. What we need as humans is um, time for restoration and very closely linked to the biophilia hypothesis is the attention restoration theory. And, it you know, it, which says exactly what we've been talking about, really, just a period of time looking out or spending time in nature is restorative for us. And is basically is a good thing and we need to be doing it more rather than rushing from one thing to the next and I think particularly important in you know in the winter in British winters we get um, quite long it feels like a very long winter doesn't it um, but also the darkness and I think during a working day some people must never see daylight in fact we know there's some um, some research that says it's something like 66 percent of People work with no natural light. So, in the winter, you're not seeing natural daylight. That's quite worrying, isn't it? So, in that case, Mm. I would bring in those daylight bulbs. I I would encourage people to take breaks outside. You think more and more people are working in industrial units and warehouses and distribution centers, and that's really crucial. Get, you know, get some nature in your life, really. Yeah.
0: Do you know what I want to do now? I just want to go for a walk. I want to get out there.
1: (laughs) And hopefully lots
0: of others will be thinking the same. I hope
1: so, yeah. And so many of us, many of people listening, I'm sure will be living in cities because more and more of us are living in urban environments and migrating to cities and cities are growing out and, if anything, taking up our nature, you know, expanding up, taking our, um, yeah, taking sort of areas of land and that I think this the whole thing around biophilia and well-being, whether that's at work or just in your life, is just is more important than ever. you know we're, we're so it's about bridging that gap between how we should be living as humans and experience things as humans and the way we're living, which is sometimes quite remote, isn't it? quite far removed from what we really need. Mm. Yeah.
0: It's been fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much, Naomi, for your kind of guidance and wisdom and all the ideas. I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's just a I think the big summary for me is the fact that this is in my control. I can do this. If I want the pot plant on the table, I can do that. If I want to put a little picture up, even if it is on the desktop, you know, of your computer, it's a starting point. It's about taking that ownership. I might not have complete control over, you know, everything I'm doing, particularly at work, as we've been focusing very much on kind of work time here. I might not have the full control over my calendar. I might be told what to do and where to be all the time. But it's those little moments Moments and it's just appreciating those little moments and maybe gathering evidence of productivity and effectiveness when you either have done that and you come back in all refreshed and raring to go, or when you're actually working in nature and you bring back the impression the of what you've actually created. And people say, wow, so it is possible so I think it's it's all about evidence, isn't it? Which is what you've told me here. So I think as long as people are, are very much awake and aware of all the little effects and actually go with the heart, how's this stuff feeling rather than just overthinking it? Try yeah. it, see how it feels. Mm. Then that's got to be the way forward, isn't it? Mm.
1: Yeah. And then role model it and be, make it the norm. Absolutely. Brilliant. Oh, thank Great you so stuff. much, Neil.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, sort of coming on to this, uh, this particular episode. I think um, we kind of we needed it. I think, is, as you say, this is a British winter. Um, obviously, not everybody listening to this is in winter. You might be in the summer right now. But I think for us in the British winter, typically, this is a good time to kind of really celebrate that it is just those little moments. Yeah, You don't have to spend all day outside, but just yeah, make sure you get at least some daylight and some nature in whatever form that is for you. So thank you so, so much, Naomi. And uh, yes, I wish you all uh, the very best in your exploration of this uh, this journey further. And uh, yes, do you share any more evidence that you have, uh, obviously, with us? Because yeah, I, I guess the more that we can have to, to back up this as being a good thing, the better, really.
1: Lovely. Thank you so much, Neil. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you.